Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, thanking you for being with me. As uh, Steve pointed out during the news, Pope Francis uh, and uh, Patriarch uh, Kirill of Moscow, the Russian Orthodox Patriarch, uh, met uh, in a video conference. And uh, this is good. Uh, the conversation centered on the war in Ukraine, obviously, the role of Christians, um, how they can help ensure that peace prevails, uh, humanitarian efforts, uh, can we best work to get this out. Um, the Pope thanked the patriarch for the meeting and agreed with him that, quote, the church must not use the language of politics, but the language of Jesus. We are shepherds of the same holy people who believe in God in the Holy Trinity, in the Holy Mother of God. And that is why we must unite in the effort to help peace, to help those who suffer, to seek ways of peace, to stop the shooting. Uh, good. Very good. It, again, it's important to carry on the conversation like that. I do want to bring something up, which I think helps the conversation to move along a little bit. Because there's a, there's a superficial sense among some, by no means the majority of Catholics, but among some, that somehow Russia is more devout than America. In other words, more authentically Christian than America. And, you know, people say, without actually knowing, but they get the impression that in Russia there's no gay marriage, there's no atheism, there's no porn. Um, I should like to point out there's plenty of vodka, though. Uh, but you get this, pick, you pick this up from people. You also pick it up in Archbishop Vigano's ten thousand word foggy white paper that has now been sent around. Apparently, ten years ago, the Russian patriarch, who was talking to Pope Francis, called Putin a miracle of God. And around 2013, there's a statement uh, attributed to Putin in which he declares that the West's rejection of its Christian foundation is the source of all the West's problems. So all of this plays into this, and again, I want to stress, it's only a, sm a, a small segment of the Catholic world, but it's out there. It leads them to believe, for instance, that Putin may well be a crusader against you know, the abuses of democratic liberalism, uh, democratic liberalism being the kind of uh, policy, that, polity that we practice here in the United States with its emphasis on human rights, individual rights, civil liberties. And um, they say, well, Putin is, is fighting back against all the West's emphasis on individual autonomy, on hedonism, uh, all of its emphasis on... Um, narcissism, and if we had a more uh, orthodox view of things, we'd be better off. Putin is not driven, again, according to these people, not driven by secular, nationalistic chauvinism, but he's on a religious mission rooted in the Russian Orthodox Church and its worldview, its worldview of sacred soil, sacred people, sacred liturgy. And if you the Orthodox know uh, they, they don't have the same problems we have over here, and they also don't have the problems of pluralism and privatization of religion or secularization. This is foggy stuff, 
And I bring it up because it's popping up in places I wouldn't expect it. It shows a lack of understanding about the history uh, of the West and the development of the, the liberties that we have here. So, again, the focus here being that somehow if we, that Putin is motivated to purify, purify uh, people, and he's operating from a stronger Christian base, uh, you know, than the West. Now, this is, you know, this is kind of difficult because we spend a lot of time complaining about the failures of our own culture. Uh, we are concerned about the way liberty has been used, right? We are concerned that uh, uh, the emphasis upon human moral agency, the dignity of the individual, that somehow we've allowed people to abuse that liberty in ways that are are undermining our experiment in self-governance. So then there's this hope you know, if you don't, if you think that maybe things are wrong in your own backyard, you can look over there to somebody else's backyard and you think things are better. So you look over there to the Third Rome, uh, which this is in Vigano's piece, the Third Rome, the Russian Orthodox Patriarch of Moscow, and that somehow uh, this Orthodox way is, again, the Russian Orthodox way, uh, is going to lead to a, a better future. Well, first of all, the nations that used to form the Soviet Union, nations like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, were some of the first to leave the Soviet orbit and to join NATO. Uh, When you go to the nations of the Warsaw Pact, like Poland, Hungary, Romania, they've been very happy to move in the direction of the West. Ukraine now wants to move in the direction of the West. And so you will hear people argue, uh, again, like the brilliant political scientist and expert in foreign policy from the University of Chicago, John uh, Mersheimer, that somehow the West is to blame for what's going on in Ukraine today because the West has encouraged people to join NATO. And you know, NATO has continued to push closer and closer to the Russian border. All that's true. We have uh, encouraged nations to join NATO. And why is that? Because those nations wanted to. We haven't taken those nations over. We haven't lobbed missiles into Estonia or Poland or Romania or the Czech Republic or Slovakia or Serbia or Bosnia or Herzegovina or Lithuania. We, we, we're not the ones causing military, forcing military action on any of these countries. So, yes, I, I guess from the standpoint of the Orthodox East, you know, that Putin is supposed to be the messianic figure of, it might look as though somehow 
we are, as, as Vigano puts it in his, his paper, that the West is annexing, annexing. Remember, it was Hitler who annexed Austria in the Anschluss. I think it was 1938, and then went into, took Sudetenland, Czechoslovakia. Nobody's annexing Poland or the Czech Republic or Hungary, but this is, in, this is what he says, that we are annexing. Let me go through the list right here. This is from his paper. Annexing Poland, the Czech Republic, Hungary, that's 1999, then Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Slovenia, Slovakia, Bulgaria, and Romania, 2004. Albania and Croatia, 2009. Montenegro, 2017. North Macedonia, 2020. And NATO is preparing to expand to Ukraine, Georgia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Serbia. Yeah, and guess what? The West hasn't had to raise any arms to do that. This has all been because of the moral agency of these nations. There are people who somehow can't seem to imagine that the world is not simply two big powers fighting over little powers. The world is full of nations that have their own moral agency. You you don't see us uh, claiming these nations through the use of military force. The fact that these nations want to become part of NATO, I'm sure is very threatening to Vladimir Putin and very threatening to Russia. Large nations, great powers, want to have buffer regions around them. Ukraine is a very good buffer region uh, for Russia. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, Ukraine helped uh, ward off Napoleon. Uh, it helped ward off uh, uh, the Kaiser, and it really slowed down Hitler. So I understand that Russia wants a buffer region there, but you always have to ask yourself, what does the buffer region want? What do the people of Ukraine want? And as in every country, you're going to have people arguing about the future of the nation. So you have vote, you have votes, you have elections, and you have then leaders who help to guide the future of the nation. And that's what's going on in Ukraine. And Ukraine has recently sent out an application to become a member of the European Union. We know in the past they've wanted to be a part of NATO. They may never become part of NATO, as um, uh, President Zelensky said the other day. It may be a dr- simply a dream they have. It may not be prudent for them to join NATO. Maybe it's better for world affairs to just let Ukraine remain outside of NATO because, you know, it makes uh, the Russians feel more comfortable. And let's remember, it's not unusual to want to have a buffer region around your nation. We certainly don't want people... Uh, that are opposed to our way of life, taking control of a nation state within our hemisphere. Think of all the problems we had when the Soviet Union took up residence uh, in Cuba. You know, it, it, we, to- we ended up having to tolerate it, but we weren't happy about it. So great nations want to, you know, 
preserve space so that they don't have opposing forces living on their borders. But in all this argument about Putin as some sort of messianic figure uh, preserving this holistic Russian emphasis on sacred soil, sacred people, sacred liturgy, is balderdash. The Russian Orthodox Church is schismatic right now. They had a major split just two years ago between the Russian patriarch and the ecumenical patriarch in Constantinople. And uh, again, if the Orthodox Church was especially effective in discipling the members of Russia, we wouldn't be talking about a corrupt oligarchy or overuse of vodka.